0: Anybody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now is there. Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all
2: right? This is the Trunk Nation
1: Podcast, podcast. with host Eddie Trunk. Hey folks, Eddie Trunk here. Welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts, always free. Thank you for listening, subscribing, downloading, streaming, however you listen. Thank you for connecting and checking out the Eddie Trunk Podcast. As I tell you every week, the interviews you hear on this podcast originated on my XM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation. And it's heard live Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on Sirius XM channel 106. Nightly re-airs 10 to midnight Eastern. Anything you want, anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. Be sure to follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk. Twitter, Instagram, fan page on Facebook. EddieTrunk.com is the official online home. And uh, I'm on Cameo if that's of interest to you for a personalized video. You can be sure to go to Cameo.com and find my name there and the profile for more information. Everybody outside of the U.S. or Canada, thank you as well for listening. Happy to bring you some of my newsmaking interviews in the world of rock here worldwide, free to everybody as my podcast. This week, another Double Dip episode. We start off with the legendary Ace Frehley, the original lead guitarist and a co-founding member of KISS a guy that I've been friends with now for 35 years, a guy that is currently out on tour opening for Alice Cooper as his special guest. So if you go see Alice, Ace is out there playing with him right now. We'll start with Ace talking about that tour. The interview you're about to happen happened live on my radio show just a couple days before that tour started. So about a week, week and a half ago. So Ace will come first and then we'll back it up. Our second interview this week is with the guy that's been on my show quite a bit recently, and that is another founding member of a band, but once again, former member, in this case, Judas Priest. K.K. Downing, former member of Judas Priest and a founding member of that band, has just... Well, actually, if you're listening to this on post-day Thursday, tomorrow releases his first-ever music outside of Judas Priest in the form of a new band called K.K.'s Priest, which also features former Judas Priest singer Tim Ripper Owens on vocals. The album called Sermons of the Sinner is out this Friday. KK has been on with me a couple of times in anticipation of this record coming out. The interview you'll hear second in this podcast is his most recent appearance on the show, which again took place about a week ago in anticipation of the album finally coming out tomorrow. Again, tomorrow if you're listening on post day, which in this case would be the 30th of September, 2021. So Ace Fraley first, KK Downing second, two legendary guitar players, former members of legendary bands. That's what we have for you this week on the Eddie Trunk podcast. First up this week on the Eddie Trunk podcast, our first of two interviews, as I mentioned, Ace Fraley, original lead guitarist of Kiss, currently touring with Alice Cooper. Here's Ace to tell us about that tour on the eve of him leaving for it, from my radio show, Trunk Nation. Enjoy. And here is a guy that uh was incredibly influential on John Five and so many other guitar players. And John guested on some of his recent albums, getting ready to go out on tour as special guest to Alice Cooper. Joining us now live on Trunk Nation is original Kiss guitarist and co founder of that band and rock and roll hall of famer, Ace Fraley joining us right now. How are you, brother? Good afternoon, Mr. Trunk. How's the rehearsals going? You're getting ready for this tour getting started on Saturday with Alice. I know you've been busy rehearsing. How's it gone?
0: Uh, We're killing it. I'm having so much fun, you know? The pandemic, you know, shut down everything. And uh, it's been two years since we performed live, and I'm so, so looking forward to this tour. And so it was all the other guys in the band. Uh, you know, we've just been rehearsing, you know, constantly this week. And we just finished up our last uh, run-through of uh, a new medley that we're doing uh, to help promote Origins Volume 2. We're doing a, a short melody. We're doing a half of each song. We're doing uh, She into Manic Depression, into Never In My Life. By Leslie West, "The Mountain" into Led Zeppelin's "Good Times, Bad Times." That's a wow. medley we have
1: planned. That's going to be and awesome. How much set time do you have, Ace, with Alice? How much? Time, how long will the set show be? I
0: don't know, around fifty, fifty-five minutes, something around
1: there. So you'll get all the classics, and then you'll get a good medley in, and it's it helps yeah. to be able to do a medley when you don't have a full a full hour and a half or whatever.
0: Yeah. Now I actually enjoy doing medleys because you know you just give the you know you get there's so many songs that I can perform you know songs I've written with Ted songs I've written on my own I mean you know how many albums you probably know I I have no idea how many albums have I put out
1: on? <laughs> total <laughs> like all
0: all in everything. Yeah, I mean, I I was going to sit down one day and figure out how many songs I've written. I I have no idea. No, I I have
1: no idea. Off the top of my head. I could count them up pretty quick, but I have no idea off the top of my head.
0: How many songs I've guest-starred on, you know, Wendy Williams, and, uh, I mean, just... uh, And people that have played on my records, you know, Slash and Robin Zander, Lita Ford, John 5, you know
1: slash. The the list is endless. Hey, so let me ask you about touring with Alice because like you said, this is the first time you're going to be going out in a while, but uh, what is your history with Alice? I know that, I remember hearing a story, I think it was you and Paul Stanley very early on before Kiss was really, when Kiss was making the first record, you guys went to see Alice Cooper. Was that your earliest Alice Cooper experience going that far back? We uh, we well... When I had first
0: joined Kiss, we went to see the Billion Dollar Baby tour, and I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I, yeah, I, I hadn't met Alice yet. I don't think at that point. You know, usually when people say to me, "How long have you known Alice?" like I, I've known Alice as long as uh, we got drunk together. <laughs> so, how long has Alice been sober? I was sober fifteen years. My my anniversary was yesterday, but Alice is probably double that.
1: Well, first of all, congratulations to you. You and I, you. I talked on the phone last night, and you'd mentioned that to me, and that's an amazing milestone. So, congratulations! Yeah. But Alice, uh, yeah, Alice probably would be more years than that for sure. But uh, he was—he was, he was, he was as notorious as you in his day. So uh, he was as notorious as you. You, got, the two of you back in those days, must have been brutal. <laughs> it must have been unbelievable. Well, we,
0: to, uh, we got you know we got invited to Alice's birthday party, and of course she had a cases, of, several cases of Budweiser and uh, I'm sitting next to Alice and Paul and is on either side of him. You know, and of course those guys don't drink, you know, and I'm me and Alice are chugging beers and laughing our fucking asses off.
1: Oh, you can say and, that, it's fine.
0: <laughs> and uh, completely ignoring Paul and Gene <laughs> because those guys don't drink. And uh, Alice you know, identified with me because we are both beer drinkers, you know? And uh, we had, a we had, we had a lot of fun that day. So uh, I can't remember. I was in the seventies. Well, you let know, me ask was... you this.
1: Well, let me ask you this, Ace, when you were putting together, when Kiss was coming together and you're making the first record and you guys go and watch Alice on that billion dollar babies tour, I would think it would make sense to think that seeing Alice and you guys seeing Alice and doing a show like he was doing on that tour had a big impact on what, what you guys wanted to do as kiss when you started out. Right.
0: Well, from, from the very beginning, we, we've always said that, you know, people like Alice Cooper, Uh, and other people as well have been, you know, major influences on us. You know, I mean, Alice Cooper was one of the, uh, you know, he puts on a theatrical rock show, you know, but, you know, we took it one step further or maybe two (laughs) or maybe a whole staircase. (laughs) But uh, Alice Alice is a great talent and, you know, great songs and, a fun guy to be around I'm good friends with his wife uh good friends with the guys in his band his guys in his band know my guys they talk to each other so it's going to be a lot of fun you know a lot of camaraderie you know and uh it's going to be very cool i'm looking forward to it it's uh i don't see any downside or negativity i mean the only thing i wish is that, you know, because of COVID and stuff, you know, they're not having a opening act. So even though I'm a special guest star, you know, I'm going on first. But I think, like, uh, the first show in New Hampshire, I was talking to the Ampeg rep, and he mentioned that there was another stage smaller than the stage we're playing on. I think we'll be playing for 10,000 people. And I think he said he was performing that afternoon, so I guess... They may be the opening act, you know. Maybe there are some opening acts in some situations. But, you know, it's nice to have a a, a band, a, a three-act build. You know, have one group to open up, then a the special guest star, and then the headliner. You know, but in it's some me, cases it's just me, me and Alice. So, But, you know, it's cool, you know. I think yeah, everybody too- understands because of COVID, you know, there's certain guidelines that we have to follow.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask you about. So, what are what kind of um, have there been precautions and things put in place? And I mean, touring so different now because of this. Everybody's dealing with it at different ways. What What are you? What are you? do You have any concerns going out? Are there any things you can and can't do that you normally do because of it? Well, I
0: normally just stay in my room. I don't hang out in bars anymore. Everybody pretty much in the band has been told, you know. Don't socialize a lot. You know, kind of keep to yourselves, you know, because, you know, one guy, if one guy in my band gets it, it can, you know, screw up the whole tour. So everybody has to be cautious. We're traveling with a CDC person and we're going to be tested twice a week. Um, no one is allowed backstage. Meet and greets were canceled, you know, a couple of weeks ago, which kind of got me a little upset. But, you know, I'm working around that. I'm going to be doing virtual meet and greets, and uh, I'm going to be doing a video to explain that on my website uh, in the next 24 hours. Uh, But, you know, we're going to get around it, and we're going to have fun, and, you know, I'm going to have sell some of my painted guitars and, you know, have perform. You know, if somebody wants to pay a certain fee, I'm going to get up on stage and play the guitar they bought for a song. So, you know, we're getting around that.
1: Speaking of uh, the COVID, speaking of the COVID stuff, pretty amazing, uh, Gene and Paul, how careful they were that they still ended up getting it. Have you? Did you have any contact with them around that time? Oh
0: yeah, I spoke to Paul and he told me he was completely baffled.
1: You know, the minute
0: I heard he had it, I I got a hold of him. The minute Gene heard, got it, I got a hold of him. Gene sent me a video of him with a nurse telling him he's okay. Uh, but you know, they followed the guidelines. Paul goes. I'm completely baffled, so I have no idea how I got it. You know, I said. He goes. on, He was stuck in a hotel in Pennsylvania. I I said. You know. Be you know. Be be careful. You know, because I thought he might be going back to L.A. You know. And I said. You know. You got. You got a lot. You got young kids. You know. At the house. He goes. No. I got to self quarantine. So. Uh, but as far as I know, they're back on the road again, aren't they?
1: Uh, yeah, they resumed a few days ago.
0: Yeah. So, you know, they got over pretty quick. You know, some people,
1: you know, get laid up for, for weeks. And,
0: you know, my cousin and I had a ranch in Dallas, and uh, he got the Delta uh, virus, and he was laid up for 11 days. And he said it was like the flu on steroids. So uh, that's something I, I do not want to get. But I've been yeah. vaccinated. I take my vitamins. I work out. Uh, you know, my new girlfriend's a personal trainer on top of uh, being a school teacher and and a graphic artist. So you know, I eat right. She keeps me, tra- uh, you know, in great shape. You know, I'm down to 198, which is the thinnest I've been since uh, I can't remember.
1: well yeah i saw well i saw you for your birthday in vegas when we had your dinner and you looked great and you're even thinner now which is crazy which i said to you when i saw you in vegas speaking of kiss i said you're ready to fit into the suit let's go (laughs) (laughs) tell them you're ready to put the costume on man let's go
0: yeah Uh, yeah i take life one day at a time these days you know i'm just looking forward to this tour I'm really thrilled with the set. We also decided to add Strutter. That's a song that I don't think I've ever performed without Kiss. And that sounds great. Uh, One of the guys, the guys in the band is singing it. And uh, it's a powerhouse set, you know, because we're limited in time. You know, we're going like from one song into the next, boom. boom, But, you know, and uh, I'm shortening my guitar solo, you know, three or four minutes. But that's okay. Yeah. Well, you
1: got great singers in that band. I know all of them, and everybody, everybody can in sing my band yourself.
0: My lead, so I get, we have five lead singers.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that opens uh, up the possibility to do a lot of material, yeah. and that's that's a great, great advantage to have.
0: And, uh, you know, God forbid, you know, I blow my voice out. You know, one of the other guys can cover for me. Uh, I would never use tapes,
2: <laughs> oh, like some thank
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. anyway right. you know that's
0: just uh you know it's going to be a lot of fun I'm, uh, I'm hoping for a good turnout you know uh, my agent uh kevin daly told me that the ticket sales are, are doing really really well you know so uh you know i mean it's a great build with me and i was, you know it a is very similar audience
1: yeah yeah, anyway, as soon as I heard about it, I thought it was a great bill. Just so people know that you're not on the Atlantic City date, which is tomorrow. That's only Alice. But you start with Alice on Saturday, and that's in Guilford, New Hampshire, on the 18th. Then you go Connecticut, Massachusetts, New York, Chicago. Uh, New York is uh, New York is upstate. New York is uh, Utica. Yeah, but you've got I a bunch no of days. I have where
0: I'm playing. I just I go push me in the right direction, throw me on the <laughs> plane, whatever. <laughs>
1: well get out there and see it it should be a great thing two quick things and i'll let you go um i gotta ask you about this so the the kiss documentary that was on recently it was well known you did not participate in it i know why you didn't but do you want to say publicly why you didn't would you like to tell the fans why you opted out of the documentary uh not really Uh, you know
0: it was just something that uh well in reality, they didn't want to give me creative control. They, in other words, I, I wasn't—I didn't have creative control over the final edit. So I decided not to be involved with it. You know?
1: Did you watch it?
0: No, I, I haven't seen it. You said I came off good, so you know. I mean, I, I haven't thought heard you did. anything negative about it.
1: Yeah, no, I told you. Bob Ezrin said yeah. you're the most rock and roll guy in the band, and he said that. Uh, he, you were right to feel ganged up on at times. That was what Bob Ezrin said in it. It's funny you brought up
0: Bob because I was just talking to one of the guys in my band, and you know Bob lives in Nashville, and so does the so do the guys in my band except for Matt Starr, the drummer. And uh, I said, let's get let's get Bob Ezrin over to the show. I haven't seen him in a dog's age, so uh, hopefully that'll you know that'll materialize. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a great tour,
1: you know. Yeah, it should be great. And the last thing is, you know, speaking of Kiss, do you hold out any hope still that you might play with them like the fans do, even if a final show? Is there any scenario you see possible for that to happen? Look, anything's possible. And
0: I've, I've always said that, you know, everybody, you know, that's the first question so many people have asked me over the years, you know. Would you ever consider doing a kiss here? And I said, you know, I know I, you know, I never close the door on anything. You know, if the money's right and it's and it's presented to me in the right way, you know, anything can happen. You know. Uh, you know, they
1: put out a show you know, they put out a live show recently, and officially released a live show from that short tour, that short time where it was you and Eric Singer, I don't know if you know that, a live show came out from Japan from around 01 that they officially put out a few months ago.
0: Oh, well, that's interesting. I should be getting a check
1: done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if not, they'll be getting a call from my attorney.
1: If not, they'll get an invoice. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
1: And and, I, you uh, know,
0: what, you worked... I'm on good terms with Paul and Gene, which, which is nice because, you know, we created something really... Special, yeah. you know, in, in the early seventies, you know that had outlasted, you know, so many other bands, and uh you know, God bless them. They're still doing it. I'm still doing it. You know, Peter's still around. You know, I, I, I'm i I'm not quite sure why Peter hasn't toured over the years, you know, as much as I have. You know, but you know, it is what it is. You know, everybody does what they want to do. Um, but i i am having a ball, you know, I love my new band, I think you know everybody who's heard the new band thinks it's one of the best live bands I've ever put together. you know they're super tight uh, and
1: uh, yeah, I know those guys. I've known them for a long time, cool things
0: about the guys in my band, you know, everybody gets along, you know they No drugs, no alcohol, you know, it's just, uh, you know, serious rock musicians having fun entertaining people and trying to give a positive message to the youth of America, you know, rock and roll, come to a rock and roll concert and forget about all your problems and all the ridiculous stuff that's going on in the world and the politics that, you know, we have to deal with and hear about every day and this goddamn virus. And, uh, You know, come to a concert and forget about that for a couple of hours, you know. Come see me and Alice and enjoy your life, you know. You've been locked up in a room, you know, afraid to go out. And uh, thank God the virus has subsided in America. But in certain places, you know, it's still, uh, you know, uh, bad, you know, from what I understand. I spoke to a friend in Florida and they said Florida's getting bad again. So I don't know, you know, but we we take we take the proper precautions and, you know, stay fit, work out, take your vitamins, say your prayers at night before you go to bed and thank God in the morning, you know, that you're alive because, you know, it's a gift.
1: Yeah, and you're right, and and you know, getting away from all of that stuff and getting out and seeing a show, it's it's more important than ever because it helps you kind of forget about the craziness of the world, even for an hour or two, three hours. It's it's a real good therapy. It really is. Hey, listen, man, I I'm really, about to run out. I really out of-
0: believe that's why that's why Kiss was so successful because you know escape. we were such a dynamic act because we would not just we we didn't just sound good we put on a, a, a spectacle of his show and it captivated people and that's why you know in the late 70s we were voted by the Gallup polls the number one group in America which is a major achievement you know in my career and I was very proud to be part of that uh you know it's uh It's withstood the test of time, you know, all all my guitar work and solos, you know, even though I'm not playing them, some other idiot is, and uh, (laughs) life
1: goes on. Well, you're right. That's what it's about. It's about being an escape. And that's what that's what some sure. of the best music is. Get away from the, the madness of the world. Hey, I got to run. I'm about to run out of time here for the show, but I appreciate a few minutes. Travel safe. I'm going to try to get out and see you at a show. Everybody go see Ace. Get there early to make sure you see Ace uh, playing before Alice Cooper as his special guest. And congratulations on 15 years sober, brother. Nothing more important than that. I'm proud of you.
0: Thank you so much, uh, Thank you for having me on the show, and I'm sure I'll book into you on tour.
1: Yep, anytime, man. I'll talk to you soon, okay?
0: Okay. Be safe, and God bless. Say hi to the wife and kids, okay?
1: You too, brother. I'll see you. There he goes, everybody. Ace Fraley. Well, I've known that guy for a very, very long time. We've got a lot of history together. That, of course, the one and only Ace Fraley who is out there now touring with Alice Cooper as his special guest. Thanks to Ace for checking in before leaving for the tour. Coming up next, another former founding member of a legendary band, K.K. Downing of Judas Priest on the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
0: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
1: Interview number two this week is with K.K. Downing of Judas Priest, who releases tomorrow his first ever music outside of Judas Priest in the form of a new album and a new band called K.K.'s Priest. Here is the man himself to tell you all about it. And as I was saying the uh, just a few minutes ago, we it, it, it feels like to me uh, that this record is actually never coming out because I have... Done three. This is the third appearance from this gentleman on this show, and the record's still not out. It's like we're waiting forever for this thing. KK Downing joins us right now to talk about KK's Priest and the album, which is finally coming out a week from Friday. KK, has it felt like forever for you for this album to come out?
2: It absolutely has, really, Eddie. Um, again, thank you for having me on the show. Um, at least I can say now that. Uh, We're just days away. It has been like, um, yeah, a bit like a long pregnancy now, really, considering the record (laughs) was done and finished uh, last year. Um, But then again, it's just the hazards of COVID. Every it's been uh, very frustrating for everyone, I guess. Really, you know. So, uh, but we're up and running now, and uh, we're just trying to hopefully get some shows at some point, so we can come and visit you guys and and uh, play some great concerts
1: for you. KK, I was talking about uh, this on the air just a few minutes ago. It seems like when artists release new music, there's two different strategies. One is these days you maybe put out one song a couple weeks before the album is available and that's it. The other is put out three, four, five songs, videos prior to the release of the album And then the album comes. You obviously and your label decided to take that strategy. Did you have any say in that? Do you have any feelings about that? Releasing so much of the album in advance of the release?
2: No, I didn't. um, I know the release date got put back. Obviously, that was um, out of my control uh, for whatever technical reasons that happened. Eddie, you know, um, otherwise it would have been out uh, a month by now, more than a month. Um, but however it was put back um, they told me it needed to be put back Um, so it only made uh, eminent sense for us as well really to keep busy doing something you know making videos Uh, Ripper and Sean were able to fly over and actually we did the last two videos all together in one place which was great really because we got to savour you know that kind of um, not exactly live on stage, but we, at least we were all on stage rocking out together.
1: The uh, the album is finally out, as you say, a week from Friday, which is uh, what's the exact date? A week from Friday, twenty fourth. It's, it's really it's released um, October the first. October first, and yes. uh, so th- so you mentioned this album and how long it's been to get out. And when you initially started it in the delay, because of COVID, I'm curious in the time since, uh, the record was recorded and now finally about to be released, I've talked to a lot of other artists about this. They've actually started working already on another record. Have you done that? Have you started writing and recording yes. with an eye towards another record already? Yes, absolutely. You know, um,
2: I would be looking to finish another record by, depending on what happens, um, you know, but certainly by, you know, um, before summer, you know, I would expect to have an album finished, which is kind of good if that's what we're forced into doing because of COVID, you know, because they are talking about another lockdown, you know, this winter over here, which is, you know, I can continue to work it. That's not a problem. Um, but the good news is that really we wouldn't have to come back off the road again, um, you know, to do another record. So we, when we get out there, Eddie, we can just carry on, which would which be pretty cool. And we get to release two records in one year, which is, I don't think I've done that since 1978 or 79.
1: Well, as I mentioned to you in the past, this is the first time anyone has ever heard anything from you outside of Judas Priest. Sermons of the Sinner is the first thing you've ever done outside of the band throughout the history of Judas Priest. Glenn had done some things on the side. Rob certainly left, did some different things. Yeah, yeah. You you never did. So how, how does that feel for you as an artist to make a statement that is – I mean, you know, in Priest, I'm sure it was more of a collaborative thing, and you you shared guitar work with Glenn and the writing yeah. and all of that at different levels. How does this feel for you to be, this is your thing?
2: Well, it's great. Obviously, I've been forced into this position, but um, now that I'm here, I'm really happy because I've got writing freedom. You know, I don't have to confer with other people or – or, try, or, or consider what they actually like and don't like while I'm going through the writing process. I, I, I can just, if I think it's good, it flies, which is great, you know. So um, I'm really happy and content with that, you know, Eddie.
1: Can you tell me, KK, about how the writing for this worked? Did you write everything yourself, or did you collaborate with yeah. others, others in the band? How did the songwriting yeah. work?
2: Yeah, I was on my own, really, because after I did the, uh, the show at the, uh, the Steel Mill in the UK with Ripper and Dave Ellison and, and Les Banks and those guys, um, you know, that was uh, November 2019. So that Christmas, I just kind of shut myself away, but very, very quickly and easily it came together. I just went on autopilot it and um, I just did what came natural, really. And um I got pretty excited about it, I gotta say. So I just carried on with the lyrics and and um and and I was singing along in a fashion myself because I just wanted to hear the song sound more and more complete, you know. Um uh, but I did manage to get Ripper over and our drummer Sean from San Diego before and then they they went back and literally the very next day COVID hit and everything closed down. So but I was able to continue the process of, with the production and getting harmonies down and reamping guitars and, and stuff like that. You know, so um, it was it, it was it was good. I felt good about it, really, because, like I say, I, I, I had I, I hadn't really been a soul writer really since I was writing with Al Atkins and Rob you know, back in the late in in the like 60s and early 70s, you know, before Glenn joined the band.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. In the history of Judas Priest, were there any, ever any songs that you solely wrote yourself or even wrote lyrics for?
2: Um, yeah, well, the thing is, um, we had a, um, a, a record deal before Glenn joined the band. So all those things that I was playing, you know, the versions of the songs, you know, which was a full set and we had an album, you know, um, already because obviously I'd done an awful lot of shows just with Rob in the band, you know, and we were really quite successful. And I did a lot of a lot of shows with with Al Atkins as the front man as well. Um, so we're pretty experienced and like all that material was pretty much, you know, um, myself and Al. But Robin Al used to um, do pretty much most of the, of the lyrics, to be fair, and I did uh, the music.
1: So listening to this album, and again, the album is Sermons of the Sinner, and it's finally out a week from Friday, as KK told us, October 1st. This album, to me, KK, when I hear it, it embodies, like, uh, to me, Judas Priest is known for two, two different things in metal – Very anthemic, big choruses, whether it's Living After Midnight, You Got Another Thing Coming, Breaking the Law type songs, and then more epic songs like Sinner, uh, Victim of Changes, things like that. And to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, listening to the record, because this is the first time I've spoken to you about the record and having heard the whole thing. You look. You yeah. really. It seems like you tried to check both of those boxes throughout the record because there are yeah. songs on there that are like that. But then you've got those anthemic things like "Brothers on the Road" and all that. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, it wasn't. It wasn't intentional. It's just really implementing the model that I've naturally done over the decades. Apart from um, Nostradamus and the albums we did with Tim. You know, the rest of it is just switching into that kind of, uh, as I said, autopilot on the heavy metal because an album, you know, it's you, an album is a journey from start to finish, isn't it, Ed? You know, and and so all the ingredients that one becomes to expect from an album um, naturally has to go in into there. You know, you have to have slower, more melodic parts, more emotional parts more stuff that's more gung-ho, let's rock, let's get to the gig, you know, and it just has to have all of those I- I- ingredients, and and that's what this album has, really. I think it it sounds very complete to me, and, and for that reason, I'm really, really happy with it, you know.
1: Yeah, and well, that was my point, is you, if you're a Priest fan and a metal fan, you're going to get a little taste of everything that that priest and of course you uh, being a huge part of priest, it was known for. And, you know, it's interesting what you say, I'll never forget Tony Iomi telling me this once he said, you know, one of the secrets to creating metal and making things heavy is to every once in a while, pull back and have that breakthrough breakdown and that soft moment, because then when you come back in, it reinforces yeah. the heaviness. Yeah. And if you think you- about it, Sabbath and priest have done that brilliantly throughout history. And you have some of that on this record
2: yeah it it goes way way back to the early 70s we used to call it light and shade and and like tony would know what exactly what i mean by that you know um so it's it's a journey like i say and to keep things interesting you have to do a lot of things like mix up the song keys you know These days, I hear a lot of bands, the first four or five songs will all be in the key of E because that's where they think it's heaviest because it's the lowest key on the guitar, but not necessarily the heaviest to me. F sharp is really heavy. If you listen to Foxy Lady by Jimi Hendrix, it'll be, um, I'm pretty right in saying that uh, it's in F sharp and uh, that's a pretty heavy key.
1: Let me ask you about your 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 guitar playing is uh, and and of course the speaking of hendrix your use of the bar and everything it's just it's just so great to hear again on this record but talk about the interplay with the other guitarist in the band i don't have his name in front of me but talk about how you yeah. worked with him
2: yeah um in exactly the way that I, I would like myself and Glenn to have worked really and the way that probably we did work but um, not for quite a long time. So it's just basically, um, you can imagine, you know, if you've got a busy restaurant and you've got two head chefs, you know, they both need to have the same capabilities. What, what one can do, the other can do. And uh, and that's what makes the uh, the duo powerful. There can't really be weaknesses on one side, Eddie, really, you know. And, you um, like I say, AJ, I've known him now since he was a teenager. I've kind of mentored uh, him and his band over the years, and uh, and now he's become a very fine player. And he's reminiscent of me now because obviously, when I talk um, scales and different inversions and uh, and 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 basically um, integrating scales, you know, in sol- solos and stuff. Um, you know um, it's good to have a working partner like him and I'm very very happy with what we do and I think that there's a a lot of guitar work on on the album of course there is and and of course I get to do more guitar work like I should have done in recent years in Judas Priest but uh, that wasn't to be and I wasn't happy about that you know
1: well, having read your book and, and, uh, f- folks that haven't read your book, you should definitely check out KK's book, which came out a few years ago. That, that was a point at one of the many points of contention for you towards the end of your time in priest, right? You didn't, you didn't like the way the guitar work and and, and that, that end of things was being divvied up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There was an imbalance really. And it was, if it was obvious to me, it would be obvious to, uh, fans, you know, and, um, I guess the way that it is now, it seems to me that Richie does 95% of the, of, of the work. And, and, and that's not really what Judas Priest was all about to me. You know, so um, in this band, you know, um, it, it, it's 50-50, you know, and that's the way it should be uh, to be a bona fide, you know, full-on uh, guitar duo.
1: And, and KK, you know, it's well known, I mean, you've made it very clear that you would have loved to have returned to Priest and uh, and, and returned to your role there, and with them out now doing 50th anniversary dates, that's something that uh, would have made sense. Uh, do, have you kept an eye on what they're doing, and do you, have you had any additional dialogue or exchanges with them since we last spoke? No, none at all. Um Uh, Apart from, you know, uh,
2: most of it's been through legal channels, which they implemented a long time ago now, you know. So, um, uh, you know, that's pretty well uh, spoken about that. You know, I'm very disappointed. I begged them not to go, you know, through the legal routes, but it is what it is, you know. I guess that's, uh, you know, obviously I'm able to move on now. And now that that it's happened... You know, uh, and I did check again with them, you know, before I, I just before I embarked on, on doing this, you know, um, with KK's Priest. Um, but, you know, they shut the door and, and even appointed lawyers to try to stop me doing this band, which is very sad, you know. And considering, you know, uh, they told the, the, the fans and the media that I retired back in 2010, well, if that was the only thing that happened, why wouldn't they allow me to come out of retirement? It didn't make sense, really. Um, but it is what it is, you know. I'm, I'm, I've got no control over that, unfortunately.
1: Tell me about the decision to call this KK's priest. Did you have other names in mind that did come to you at one point? You said, you know what, I, yep. you know, am well, the founder member of priest. I'm going to utilize their name in in my name. Tell me about that decision.
2: Oh okay. well, yeah, I mean, eventually, I mean, uh, when I when I guest appeared did the guest appearance with with dave ellipson it was quickly entitled and labeled mega priest you know uh, and, um, and, and i really liked that i thought that really yeah you know, i had a good ring to it but it was always going to be a hybrid between megadeth and judas priest. So i couldn't really go with that but i did kind of like it but the the main reason is it it's still got priest in there Ed and I became a priest in 1968 when I saw that van going across my housing estate with Judas Priest sprayed painted on it and I wanted to be in that band and it, and and we know I auditioned for the band and didn't make it because they wanted to play blues and um, but you know when I when I got into the band it was like winning the lottery you know it was just like you know everything came. true for me in my life and so and then i spent my whole lifetime you know as a priest in judas priest and and i'm thinking there's guys on the stage now calling themselves priests i've never met them you know earning money from it so i'm thinking if they can be a priest surely i can continue to be a priest because the thing is i can't i can't shed my skin and start all over again and, and have a new guitar sound and write differently, you know, and produce differently and, and hear songs differently and, and change my amps. It's too late in the day. I am what I am, you know, and, uh, and I wanted to bring my heritage, my legacy, you know, some of that with me, really, into the, into the present and into the future. So I said, OK, it's KK's priest, you know, because I was the loyal priest. In Judas Priest, because I never had a desire to play with anybody else. I never had a desire to leave the band, you know, for gazillions of years. Glenn, you know, he made a couple of albums, took him six years with Cozy and uh, and um, and John. Um, but, you know, I was always loyal to, you know, to the band, Judas Priest. So I think I've got a right to continue that more so now, because, I mean, from what I see, I mean, Rob had the Halford Band. In 2010, Rob Rob went out with the, Al, the Halford Band and did a world tour in 2010, you know, the year I stepped down. And he also uh, delivered up two studio albums, you know. So things were not going well, Ed. Something I had to give, you know, um, because I wasn't happy. I, I really wasn't happy. And, um, and like I say... Not many people know that, but Rob and his manager sent me a letter after I walked out asking me to join a band with Rob. Rob was going to come back to England, and he wanted to come and see me about forming a band with three guitar players, um, with me, uh, Roy Z, and Jeff Lumens, um, with a very good drummer and bass player. But I, I
1: ignored the letter, and I didn't see Rob. This was around 2010, KK?
2: Yeah this was um this was March April 20,
1: 2011. Oh wow. Wow, that's interesting. I did not know that. Speaking of your uh your obviously the the priest connections in this record, the closing song which uh there's quite an uh, amazing uh, video that just uh is or it's about to be released but that is a connection to uh Judas Priest favorite from the Defenders of the Faith album. The Sentinel, your closing track on the KK's Priest album is Return of the Sentinel. Tell me about that.
2: Well, yeah, obviously I was a part of that. And and like I said, my, my heritage and my legacy, to be able to still have a connection is nice for me, you know. And obviously I'm thinking that a track like the original Sentinel absolutely deserves you know the sequel is what I think really because the story can go on, you know, and um, and I liked the idea, you know. It was actually suggested to me by um, by a good friend, and and I didn't think much of it to start with, and then and then I thought about it, you know, um, and he's a journalist as well, and uh, Steve Goldby his name is and. Um, and it was his suggestion. He said, you should do a return of the central, you know, and, um, and I thought about it and I'm thinking, I really want to do it, you know? And so I did it.
1: It's a really cool way to end the record. And there's a really uh, cool animated sort of lyric video. I don't know if that's been released or not. I, I know I've had a chance to see it, but has it come out yet?
2: No, it's, a, it's not out yet, but it'll be out in a few days, I guess. And, um, and yeah, I like that, you know, um, I like the whole storyline, you know, and um, and it's just quite intriguing because, like I said, I want people to listen to the album from the beginning to the end. But if Return of the Sentinel is the last thing that I ever release, you know, then it's a good way for me to go out. It's very emotional and uh, means a lot to me, Ed, you know, so I hope very much
1: people enjoy the whole thing. How, do you, uh, of course, the original song, The Sentinel, is on Defenders. Do, is Defenders. Is Defenders among your favorite Priest albums?
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, those first four tracks, you know, it's very hard to think of another album, even the Painkiller album, you know, can it really surpass the first four tracks on Defenders of the Faith? You know, it's quite something, really, you know, and that's... um it's a big challenge to compete with that, you know, but hopefully I've done a good job with sermons of the sinner.
1: Yeah. You know, what's interesting too, about you feeling so strongly and so many fans feeling so strongly about defenders is it's the record that came after screaming for vengeance, which was really in America, the breakthrough record for Judas priest. And normally the band can never really live up to that previous record it's it's always the, that next record even acdc like for those about to rock is always looked at yeah. as a notch below it's, back in black
2: <laughs> it's the world it's the worst it's a musician's worst not a band's worst nightmare <laughs> to actually release the best record that th- you possibly can because then where'd you go from that you know as you say it's tough for us guys out there we have to um But we have to do it. But the only thing I can say is the fact, you know, I'm well on the way to, you know, with the second record already. And I'm really liking what I'm hearing, you know, Um, and I'm really enthusiastic about that. I'm kind of, I've moved on, you know, strangely enough.
1: Yeah, well, so now you've got that pressure on you for KK's Priest because the world is about to hear Sermons of the Sinner. And now you're already thinking of the next thing. (laughs) Yeah, but actually, I'm not scared about it at all, really. And I should be, really,
2: because I really think this record, <laughs> this record, you know, I'm really, really happy with the record, Ed, and I'm really looking for, forward to everybody being able to experience it, you know, in its entirety, you know. So, um, you know, but I'm not scared about it, because I'm that type of guy, really. I, I'm really, really up for any challenge.
1: Yeah, and, and I I
2: have set set the benchmark very, very high, but I'm cool with that, you know.
1: Yeah, and then so for when people get to hear this record, you'll hear something like um, Sermons of the Sinner, the title track, or Return of the Sentinel, which closes the record and is over like nine minutes long and is an epic. And then you've got a song like Raise Your Fists, which is just an anthem that I imagine is just going to be a live staple for you, which you can just see metal fans pumping their fists singing along to. Yeah, because an album should always
2: have those songs, you know, where you just get in the car, you're going to the gig, you're really pumped up, you know, a beer, you're heading out to the heavy metal parking lot, you know, meet your buddies. And, and you know, like I say, we don't have to win any literary awards or anything like that, you know, for the lyrics. This is about real life, you know, and, uh, and it's like the other song, another song on there, you know, Wild and Free, you know, I'm taking people back to when, when we were, you know, those rebellious teenagers, you know, it's another break in the law or whatever it might be, you know, nothing coming parental guidance. It's all about that rebelliousness. And, and that's what we did. Let's go back. Let's just enjoy our music, you know. Um, everything, a lot of music now seems to be very serious. And, you know, the lyrics are very abstract and you have to... Uh, you know try to decipher them um we need some some good songs you know it's remembering rock when rock was rock i guess because you know i've been on that journey that evolution towards heavy metal you know i came from progressive blues to hard rock to heavy rock you know to heavy metal i've been on that journey and i've had all of those labels and so and somebody asked me what, what heavy metal is to me. And I said, it's all of that journey, you know, and, um, and, and, and I think that that's, that's a, a good way of of looking at it because it's been a part of my
1: life and my music musical journey. Kk, Two quick things and then I'll let you go. I'm curious. How was it like, and what was the experience like working with Ripper again? I mean, he, you made two Judas Priest studio records with him, a few live records. Uh, what was it like working with him again? It had been some time uh, working yeah. both in the studio and having him as a bandmate again. How has that been?
2: Yeah, well, it's so easy because, I mean, he's got such such a voice and such such great uh, capabilities. Um, but obviously, Rip is easy to work with. We're familiar with each other. And... Um, yeah, it's really great to have him on board. And I was really curious as to, as to yeah, getting Ripper on songs like this, you know, that probably, because obviously the albums we made with Ripper were that bit different, you know, we stepped out of, you know, um, what can I say? You know, the traditional kind of um, uh, tracks that, uh, um, you know, well, I'm talking about like Railway. Tracks. We stepped off the off the off the tracks for a little bit with Ripper, but uh, to get back on those tracks um, with Ripper, and um, I think this really is good for him. I think it really suits him. I hope he enjoys it, um, and uh, I'm sure. And hopefully, there's a lot more a lot more uh, uh, great songs to come.
1: And the last thing. Uh, you meant you said this a second ago, and I'm curious if if that's what you're referring to when you said the heavy metal parking lot. Uh, you've you've seen the heavy metal parking lot. I'm assuming, right? I've been in it uh, because <laughs>
2: I've, I've I've driven through that. I mean, you know, for example, I remember I remember when we came to New York and we did the Meadowlands, Nassau Coliseum, and the Gardens, all on the same tour. And I can like remember, I think it was, was it the Meadowlands or Nassau? We actually drove through the car park, you know, um, to, to get into the gig in the bus, and it was just a wonderful experience. I really wanted to get out and have a few beers, but I'd got to go to work, you know. So, but I've done that, a lot. I've done that a lot over the years, and I'm thinking, and it's really, really, it was really daunting to look at that, all of those people and think shit we've got to entertain all of these people tonight just people to in this buzz i've got to entertain all of those thousands of people it's really quite daunting you can't really think about it. you know you have to shut the curtains and uh, and get to the dressing rooms you know and, and do the gig
1: yeah but i was always curious what you guys thought of that because it's such a legendary metal thing if people haven't seen it it's on youtube it's it's called heavy metal parking lot and it it's it's people filming in the parking lot in like 83 or something And it's at a Judas Priest show. So I was always wondering what your perspective was on it.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's like I say, I've been a fan. I'm still a fan. Like I said, the one thing that happens now, uh, uh, the songs, it was always in my mind writing these songs like Raise Your Fist and that, is the fact that, you know, we're on stage as musicians, but we're also fans. And, And even more so nowadays, there's so many musicians in the audience you know and that's what the what what the conversation is you know through the sermons the relevant ones is we are really we're all together there in one place as one and and for us to be united and reunited and to just enjoy the just enjoy the fuck out of the experience you know and that's what we're looking forward to do as soon as we get the opportunity at you know want to get yeah, back Yeah well there on the road.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can just, listening to this record, I can just hear how it's going to be great to hear played live. And then, of course, putting in the Priest classics around it, it's just going to be brilliant when you're able to do that. So hopefully, sooner than later, you can get over here or just get anywhere and get the band together and go play some shows.
2: Yeah, and that was totally my mind, uh, constructing these songs. I'm thinking, I actually put myself on the stage, you know, so... This, you know, I, I put plenty of audience participation, things there, sing-along things, you know, and I just wanted to create a record where, you know, there's, there's no filler on, on the record because, and that's a testimony, if I think that every song would have a bona fide position in the set list, Ed, you know, then it's, it must be a strong album and, and I hope it is and, and I hope everybody really does dig it.
1: Well, everybody can check it out. It's out a week from Friday, October 1st. Finally, KK's Priest, Sermons of the Sinner. You can all listen to it and hear it in its entirety. Several songs and videos already out, including one coming very soon. Keep an eye out for a video for the return of the Sentinel track, which I know Priest fans are going to absolutely love. KK, my friend, it's great to have you back. I can't wait to see you in person. We Enough of these Zooms. Hopefully I get to see you in yeah. person somewhere soon. And congratulations oh. on the record. Thank you, Ed. You're, you're a star.
2: Thank you so much for having me on. And um, and hope to see you and all the fans and everyone as soon as we possibly can.
1: Stay well over there. And uh, same here. We'll see you soon, okay? Thank you, Ed. Take care, buddy. Well, thanks to KK Downing. If you're listening to this podcast on its Thursday post-day, that album is finally out tomorrow. Thanks to Ace Fraley as well for joining us. If you are a XM subscriber, audio and video of some of these interviews available on demand on the XM app, And be sure to listen to me live Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, on volume, Trunk Nation, channel 106. Nightly re-airs 10 to midnight Eastern, full shows or interviews with audio and video anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. If you're in America or Canada and you're only listening to this podcast, you're getting a fraction of the interviews and rock talk that we bring you each and every day on volume. Don't forget, sixth radio show, Mondays only, on Sirius XM 39, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern, and of course, a terrestrial FM radio show on about 30 radio stations across America, Once a week, that show, Eddie Trunk Rocks. Social media, at Eddie Trunk. Thanks to Joel Pollack for producing. I'll see you guys next Thursday for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast and hopefully on volume every day on Sirius XM 106. Take care.